Welcome guys to something completely different. This is WSL Takeout and for one night only I am your host um, Ali Rodney has given me his chef's apron, handed over the tools and said right it's your gaff for one night and boy am I taking that opportunity. <laughs> so he hasn't let me have complete free reign because he is joining me tonight as a guest rather than host which means I get to cut him short when I want to. <laughs> so Rodney who is on On and Off The Pitch podcast, how are you doing my friend? Oh I'm so relieved that someone else has taken the aprons tonight. I've got my feet up, I've got my tea, I've got a couple of biscuits, so I'm good. Right. And as ever, I've got uh, Emma from, I've got to get this right, the MCWFC Fancast, right? Yes. <laughs> Too many That'll do, that. mate. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not talking to you after <laughs> last night. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> Yeah, but we'll get there. Sorry, I'm sorry. But we'll get there, we'll get there. And on the menu tonight, and there is a prize if anybody can get all of the references that I have made for my menu items, because I like a good pun. We're going to start with, I made it, Ma, top of the world. We're going to talk about the battle for the title, because it is heating up with the top three contenders all winning on Sunday. We're then going to look at down, down, down and out, because the relegation battle has heated up thanks to Bristol's win on uh Monday and then two topics that I thought we can talk about the first one is I could have been a contender the FA Cup is coming back this month the uh, FA have announced and finally what we've got here is a failure to communicate communicating within women's football as seen on Sunday it is less than to be desired so but we're going to start with some positives we're going to start with some positives first so we're going to talk about the top of the table all three of the contenders won on Sunday. So I'm going to start with Rodney because your girls, Manchester United, won a resounding, uh, was it 4 0 in the end? 3 0? 3 0. 3 0. Against Aston Villa. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good result for Manchester United. Predicted uh, that they would have a, a quite an easy game. It's easy ish. And, um, you know, good to see the goals go in and good for the confidence considering uh, the, the last game. Um, against a particular team in Manchester, but we won't dwell on that for too long. So, yeah, it still it still puts them in in good nick up at the top of the table. But you know what? What I will say, I have to say a little bit about Aston Villa as well. And, and the question that I've got, there hasn't been much change for them in terms of fortune with the the arrival of their new manager, temporary or co-host manager. You know who knows. So, uh, as a question for Villa fans, because we we don't have anyone. I don't know anyone from Villa yet. We will do. Uh, what's going on with Gemma Davis? And is this a long-term appointment? So that's just a question. I hope you don't mind, host. hope you don't mind. But in terms of um, Manchester United, I was um, I was very pleased with the performance. I was really pleased to see Jess Sigsworth um, play minutes. I was pleased to see her get a goal. Um, I was also pleased with, you know, with um, Katie Zellum getting a goal as well, a headed goal to boot as well. Uh, and and Stanford, I know I'm, I'm marked in the box as well, which says a lot about the mark, the marking. You know, the, the color of the shirt would give it away. You know, red for danger. Please stand next to me, but it <laughs> it didn't work. So, uh, you know, for a Manchester United point of view, I'm very, very, very happy. Um, obviously, some of the players that got a run out, um, like Martha Harris, you haven't seen for a long time. For me, kind of. A favourite from the old, from the old days. I say the old days, maybe about two years. Um, but great to see Jess, Jess Sigsworth get a runner as a, as a number nine, and not just be out on the wing. So yeah. Fun fact about Martha Harris is the only player to cause my mother to become a football hooligan. <laughs> when we played uh, Manchester United in the Conti Cup in the first year that we were in the WSL, uh, Martha went after one of our players and. If anybody remembers Brie Vasali, she's about four foot nothing and tiny. And Martha just absolutely like bombed her into the stands. And my mother like started screaming at her and then joked that the only reason she got into the team is because she's a certain manager's sister-in-law. The only time my mother has well, ever got into us being a football hooligan. Well, do you know what? I'm going to be, I'll, I'll say something about Martha. You say, I mean, she's not the tallest player, is she? Come on. So yeah, but it, she's it, stocky. She's built. Okay, fair days. Yeah, but she's, she's got. She has got. I think she's become fitter since she's got back. Yes. 
Yeah. You know, she seems she seems to have worked on her fitness a lot, and she yeah she does. I think um, it, it's good to see her back in the squad because it almost mm-hmm. felt you almost felt as if she wasn't a part of the squad anymore. She'd been out that long, so it's great to see her back in the team. I think. Yeah, it, to be honest, it is, and you know, I'm, I'm looking apart from the the, the left back, yeah, Amy Turner, Amy Turner, Millie Turner, Martha Harris. You just kind of look at that, um, the two, well, Amy Turner and, and Martha. You know, they don't really mess about with when it comes to their tackling. Uh, Millie's the the silky smooth one, and um, oh no, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this. It's like the Phil, the Phil Jones of the <laughs> oh, Man United, isn't she? No, who? What's that? Oh, come on, no, come on. No, because you forget Phil Jones plays for United. Well, yeah, I suppose you forget Martin <laughs> plays for United. I thought Phil Jones was actually on loan somewhere, but yeah, he still plays. No, it's it's it like like um, Emma says, it's really good to see Martha get minutes. So like I said, with Jess as well. You know, you know, everyone's been talking all season about um, Tobin Heath and and Christine Press playing up front, and what we're going to do when we don't got scoring the goals. You know, Jess in championship, she scored a hatful of goals. I mean, the team scored a hatful of goals, but she was, she was, you know, lethal in front of goal. And it's good to see a striker being played in the role that they know well instead of being out on the wing. Mm. No, Sorry, can I just ask you what you, how you feel about like Jane Ross, given that obviously, in terms of like limited sort of options, in terms of that. In, in terms of that attacking threat, um, you know, still not really being utilised and still not getting the most out of her. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've said this before. I think Jane Ross is a striker that needs a partnership. You know, the way that United play, they like to play, you know, with three, three across the front or as a lone striker. And some, for whatever reason, some strikers only do well when they're in a pairing. You know, I genuinely believe that she's one of those strikers. And it's just unfortunate that she's, when she's played, she's been asked to play um, as a, as a long striker. She's not as I don't know as as as, as prolific as Jessica or or as, you know, not to say that she's not robust, but she doesn't necessarily do the things that Jessica does. So it is difficult for her. You know, the fact that she's still there means that she's she's got to be someone who trains well. She's got to have a good attitude, um, and and she buys into what Casey wants and and. And, and therefore, that's why she's still there. Otherwise, she would have gone. Either Casey would have said, you know, we've no space for you in the squad, or she would have said, I need to move on and, and play football. Because there are plenty of teams in, in the WSL that would, would, you know, take her as a striker and say, we need you and we'll give you the time that you need on the pitch. Yeah. It's just a, a funny one with Jane Ross because we almost feel, I, I think West Ham had a, had a little bit of this as yeah. well. And I think so did yeah. we towards the end of obviously her time with us at City. So I almost feel like she's one player that has got so much to give and so much to offer to a team, but I just really don't feel that she's found the right the right team for her yet. You know what I mean? Like like you said, that support that she needs and, you know, to, to try and get the best out of her. Mm. I, I, yeah, you're yeah, right. Sorry, sorry, host. sorry <laughs> no, host. No, you're right, though. It was the same as West Ham, though, is the yeah. fact that she was not quite on it our first half of mm. the season. And then when we brought in Leon in the January um, transfer window, she sort of perked up because she had that partner up front. Um, she doesn't do well as a lone striker. And if that's what your team wants, then she's not going to be the player for you. Yeah. It's, uh, to be honest, it is unfortunate that she's not getting enough game time. And she's like a forgotten figure sometimes. But, you know, as I say, she she has to be doing something in, in the background in training for her to still be there and, and still to be considered. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so just fingers crossed for her that she does, when she does come on, she's actually in a partnership and they play, they play a 4-4-2 uh, so that they, you see the best of her in, in some way, shape or form, but yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's enough of that one Manchester team. <laughs> and we're going to go on to the other Manchester team whose game was slightly less exciting and a bit more tense if uh, my friends are to believe they managed to squeak a 1-0 win over Everton uh, goal Sweet. coming from midfielder Kira Walsh so how do you rate your performance Emma do you think there's a little bit left to be desired or was it just Everton were just that good I honestly think Everton were that good 
to be, to be honest. Um, they made it really difficult. They were really well organised, uh, really quite structured, um, and they were difficult to break down. I, I almost felt, you know, we could get, you know, break them down eventually, but as sort of time went on, I was getting a bit, uh, <laughs> getting a bit worried, to be fair. Um, I almost felt, um, you know, the play was too congested and we just weren't able to kind of find our way through. Um, again, that's sort of down to Everton and being well organised. And, you know, we weren't as on it. You know, I think we had, a, a you know, a couple of opportunities where you expect, you know, the likes of Sam Mewis to finish better. But, you know, it just wasn't her day for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it kind of felt as if it was going to... If a bit like the the Manchester derby at the Etihad, if we were gonna sort of outdo Everton, it was gonna take a bit of magic, and thankfully that came through Kira Walsh. And great to see her back in the squad, and great to see her back amongst the goals as well. Yeah, I've got a question for Emma. Um, can't I, you take the host out of hosting duties, but you can't really. <laughs> no, you can't. No, <laughs> is that okay? Is that okay, Ellie? Okay. I think I can allow it. All right, thanks. Um, no, I, I actually. Watching that, that that game, I didn't see the, the whole game. I watched the highlights. I remember Emma being unhappy with the fact that that there was one particular fixture where City had so much position, they had so many opportunities, and they just couldn't score the goals. And I just, it, for me, I, just watching the highlights, I thought this game was a mirror image of of that period of time in the season. And I thought, is this the time when when City start to not find the rhythm that they need coming into the final third. Are you worried a little bit that that's going to come back and, and be a theme? No, I don't. Because <laughs> I, I kind of saw a bit of a different team. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't think we looked panicked. It almost felt, and, I, and I, I, you know, I, I don't think we became sloppy or anything like that. I just kind of feel that we everyone we keep saying patient play mm. and that seems to be the story of the season well especially from like december to now like this patient play that we keep playing and you know sticking to our principles and, and you know trying to find a way and i think you know these are the games that we'll look back on and think that shown real character to to go on and get that result and it almost felt as if it was just deserved at the end, you know, like we deserved the three points. Uh, Everton didn't look like they wanted to win the game. They wanted to play for the draw. And I think it just, we had that extra in us to, to go in and get the result. And I think it doesn't always go your way necessarily. And I think that's credit to Everton and the way they played played and the way that Willie Kirk set the side up because it wasn't perhaps something that we expected. Uh, so it was adapting our style of play to suit sort of well not to Everton but to 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 sort of play to their sort of the quality that they've shown basically and um yeah I think these are the games that we'll look back on and think wow that that was a bit of a turning point in terms of you know if we're to go all the way and to perhaps win uh the title this season there'll be the games that we look back on and think yeah a, a city of old probably couldn't have wouldn't have got anything out of that game and i think that's the sort of the city at the start of the season mm. yeah i'm not gonna say anything so <laughs> <laughs> no, quick question but no go on say what do you think i want to know no I'll, I'll be honest I, I i did for a moment think that might be an issue to come back for, for, for City. But, you know, you explained it well in terms of the patient play. I just know that as the games, I just think as the games kind of pick up momentum towards the end of the season and the powers that be, being TV, start to manipulate and think, ooh, which fixture can we put on TV? Uh, you know, um, that then comes into play. And if you're, you're having a game like you did against Everton where you don't take your chances when they come along and there were some glaring misses um, you just think, oh, how yeah. did they not score? And they, to be honest, there wasn't, you know, clinical. It's a fact that obviously we didn't have that many shots on target. It it wasn't really good enough in terms of our standard and our expectations, I think, that we've come accustomed to. But they're three big points at the end of the day. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And mm. we, it, we've had 
you know, a really intense week of fixtures, really, if you obviously throw the Champions League into the mix. You know, we've got another Champions League game on Thursday and I think City will probably, that'll favour City in terms of, you know, keeping that momentum, you know, and pushing on and pushing forward. But um, I think equally, you know, come Thursday in the Champions League game, I think that rest and recovery is going to be key as well because we've not had a really good period of time where we've been able to, you know, really go into a match well prepared. So, yeah, I I, I've kind of didn't, it's, we knew it was going to be a tough test and I think that's exactly what it was. What's more painful, watching your team hammer another team where it's the point of kill it till it's dead or watching your team, like... Squeak by with one nil. Grind out the to watch. <laughs> um, I I'd rather. I said this <laughs> to Keith yesterday. I would rather play Everton week in week out because I think it shows more. You know, into the quality of the squad and going on and getting the win rather than it being a bit of a rollover. That's fair, and then. We can just quickly move on to the next one. Chelsea beat West Ham 2-0. Anyway. Um... Let's hold on a moment. <laughs> <laughs> no. This, this, no. This, to be fair... No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. <laughs> we can talk about it more when we talk about the relegation battle. But All yes, right, then. All right, then. But Chelsea did uh, win 2-0. But I just want to quickly talk about the other game, which was um, Arsenal versus um, Birmingham. Arsenal beat Birmingham 4-0. A, do we think that's going to keep their hope alive to actually... Do we think they're out of winning the title or do we think it's um, not over until um, the fat lady sings? And B, is it so monumentous that Viv has finally scored against Birmingham as all of the uh, media was pointing out on Sunday? I'm going to go to Emma first. Are Arsenal still contenders or have they sort of wiped it out and it's now a case of fighting for Champions League? Um, For me, it's Champions League. Um, if I'm honest, I think I think Chelsea and City are two stronger competitors, really, in terms of just the the magnitude of, of the results and the momentum. I think it, I think Arsenal is too far off the pace at the minute. I really do. What is? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I don't think they're anywhere near the top two. Um, First in terms of points, second in terms of, of of attacking prowess. You know, I know they've got Vivian Miedemar, it's great, but you, you need to be able to score goals in, in the big games that are coming up. One, one of which is against Manchester United, so look forward to that. <laughs> um, but no, I just, I, I think they've had a very difficult patch, which they didn't get the results, which has kind of pushed them you know, away from kind of like trophy winning material this season in terms of the league. But it's definitely a a, a fight for, for Champions League places. I can't see Chelsea slipping up that many times or Manchester City slipping up that many times to allow Arsenal back in. But you, you never know. But, you know, just by looking at the way the fixtures have gone for them, I, I don't see it. I don't see them winning the league. I, I think it's... At best, a three-horse race, but, you know, clear two-horse race. Though, speaking of uh, Man United there, just it reminded me of a quote where Stoney said, we weren't expecting to win the league this season, yeah, but Champions right. League um, was definitely the aim. That kind of offended a few of your fans because they were pretty much banking on winning the league in November. So... Uh, <laughs> listen... <laughs> Listen, I think I think in hindsight, right, to be honest, from from a manager's point of view, you can say what you want to to <laughs> to to meet the narrative or, or change the narrative. Every every manager should be looking to win the league or win something. And I know that and I know you look at the teams and you think, now realistically, could Birmingham do it? Could you know that's the reason people play football. When the when the season begins, everyone's at the same starting point. You know, you, you could have a season where you just squeak by with 10 1-0 wins. You'll still have the wins. If you only score one goal and you don't concede, it doesn't matter. But, but what we've seen in this league is that sometimes teams get blown away and everyone goes, oh, that team's definitely going to win the league. You would have said the same for Arsenal. You know, blowing teams away. You know, they, they win 4-0. That doesn't mean they're going to win the league. It just means that the team they face just couldn't contend with them on the day. 
You know, I, I kind of go back to what Emma says, you know, I'd, you'd rather play at Everton where you know you've got to fight for the whole 90 plus minutes to get that three points and you, you, you and it's not a procession. That's what you really want. And if the league was like that right from top to bottom, then you would be able to say, are Arsenal still in it? Then you'd be like, say, yeah. But at the moment, you just know that some of the fixtures they're going to come up against or the teams they're going to come up against, they're, not to say roll over, but they're not going to be as difficult to beat as you would think. And that's for Casey Stoney. She can say what she likes. Fans, <laughs> yeah, she, the, fans, the fans won a trophy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to hear them, the Glazers, oh, it's all about the Champions League. That's, for me, that's a lot of... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Emma? It went off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zoom sort of disconnected there. Uh, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> Can you repeat the question again, please? <laughs> Sony turned around and said that Man United aren't, weren't aiming to win the league this year, but aiming for Champions League places, which kind of annoyed their fan base because they were celebrating the uh, league win in November. So, yeah. what's your thought? That was Leah Galton, where she talks about it in the view. I wasn't going to name names, but yes, it was. Um, <laughs> so, and then Rodney said about how every team should be aiming to win the league. And I want to know your thoughts on that. Is that right? Should every team, no matter what their ability may be, goal at the end of the day, should be winning the league? Um, I, I don't think there's wrong anything wrong with having ambition to to succeed in in any kind of tournament uh, competition or or anything. I mean, why not? You know, that's you your fans believe that you can do it. You know what I mean? So why would the club not want? You know, why would the the players in the club not want you to do that either? So yeah, you you know, you play to win. That's that's football and. Yeah, I, I I would expect that at, at any club, you know it's a, you know you start the season it's a level playing field and anything can happen. So yeah, why not? No, uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do it. I can't got final. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Still not forgiving you. Um, <laughs> but we are actually going to talk about that now. We're going to move on to from the very highs to the very lows. Um, yeah, so the relegation battle has opened up wide now after last night, but we're going to talk about the game that I breezed over before, which was the 2-0 win for Chelsea against my beloved, in case you can't tell, um, West Ham United. Um, I don't know if any of you saw our games because we were the later kickoff, so you would have been able to see some of it. Um, I am going to say that because I'm biased, but I thought we made it harder for Chelsea. Um, I did think when they scored after seven minutes, oh no, here we go again. Um but we managed to, um, you know, pick the pocket of a few players. We made it harder for G to get where she likes. We made it um, literally harder for Harder because our new signing, Dagny, pushed her out the way and then complained to the ref when he pulled her back for a free kick because <laughs> she actually barged her out the way. So I was more, I was impressed as I could be with a West Ham loss, but it still puts us in a very dangerous position. Rodney? Um, I mean, I, I thought, you know, Chelsea were going to get the, the points anyway. No, no disrespect yeah. to West Ham, I did think it. And, and you know, kind of similar to, to Manchester City and, and Everton, the 2-0 was difficult with the 2-0. Sometimes you can yeah. look at 2-0 and it'd be an easy breeze. And I, I kind of agree with you. And, you know, West Ham um, made, it, made it more difficult for, for, for Chelsea. But you, you would still expect um, from from as an outsider looking into West Ham, uh, you would expect them to kind of try and at, at least get a goal, you know, because there, there's there is talent in that team, uh, and and on their day they can cause a problem. May not necessarily always get always get the result, but you've got to at least kind of put together a, a, an attacking period that causes Chelsea some concern or at least shots on target that the goalkeeper gets muddy enough to, to look like they've been in a game. Um, it's difficult for, it's difficult for West Ham because, you know, that, that result and then the result which took place between Bristol and Reading, it kind of, it's, it's, it, I'm sure it's shaken the players' confidence a little bit. 
they would already have been looking over their shoulder. Um, so it, I, I don't know how it's going to play out for, for West Ham for the rest of the season. But in terms of the result, I would always have, have, have believed that Chelsea were going to win. Um, but you would have still expected West Ham to have at least scored. And I think for me, um, it's, it's if you can get goals against the bigger teams, when you've got games that are coming up against what you might see as easier opposition, at least then you know that you can score a goal, even if you're conceding more than you score. But if you're not scoring any, then there isn't, there's very, it's very difficult to be upbeat about the next fixture or the fixture after that and after that. Uh, and the league table at the moment doesn't look good for West Ham. I didn't go out at all. Yeah. No, to Bristol's new biggest fan, Emma, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? I, I mean, West Ham, I think they just they just need to pick up a win, and that'll be enough for them to to you know change their mindset, have that sort of positive play, and and carry that forward into the next few fixtures, which I think will be really important for them. I think. Are you, you, who are you playing next? Is it Birmingham? Birmingham, yeah. Yeah. So I I can see, you know, West Ham, you know, potentially getting a win in that game. There's no reason why they couldn't go on and do that. I think there were a lot of positives to take away from the Chelsea game, like you say. Um, yeah, all right, it was a defeat. But I still think, you know, it's a 2-0 against Chelsea where, you know, you may be looking at a 4-5-0, you know, perhaps earlier in the season. So, yeah, there were a lot of elements of um, West Ham's play that I think were really quite encouraging. So, again, there's there's plenty to work on there. I don't, um, again, I don't really know much about Oli Harder. No one does. (laughs) You know, and and what he's, you know, trying to bring. I don't think we've really established that yet. Um, But... I think he seems to have the backing of, of obviously Jack Sullivan and his crew. So, yeah, just see what happens and, and hope that, you know, West Ham can really start picking up some results and, and just turn the sort of turn it around at the bottom of the table a little bit. I still don't think it's, for me, I don't think it's Bristol or or West Ham. I, I, I kind of want to throw Villa into there, really. Oh. <laughs> But that's the thing, though. Like, if you look at the table, it's so close that I know you play Bristol next. So if you beat Bristol and then Villa lose, I think they're playing Tottenham, but I could be wrong. Then we go tenth, and we're like two points from, like two places from safety. It's like it's that sort of close. It's is just that... as close as the bottom as it is at the top. It's yeah, all, you know, it one is... win gets you far. Yeah, safe it... exactly makes all the difference. I mean, you know. It's strange. I mean, I think potentially you could have thrown Brighton into the mix, but look at you know again. You know they got the win. They managed to get a bit of momentum, and I think and I think that's going to happen for for West Ham. I can't see that not happening. In all honesty, um, things do seem to be moving in in a in a much better direction, but it's it is just taking a little bit of time. Um, I think the game against Birmingham is going to be really interesting. Well, that's where we got one of our wins last time. So um, hopefully we can do it on the reverse fixture. But we're going to talk about the game that everybody was talking about that got me very annoyed last night. Uh, Bristol beat Reading for their second win, I believe. Um, It was a five-goal thriller and uh, it went uh, Bristol, Reading, Bristol, Reading, Bristol. uh, 3-2. Did you guys watch the game? How did you think? And if anybody dares mention it's Matt Beard Magic, I'm ending this call now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't end the call though, Ali. I can leave. I can leave. <laughs> so I'm gonna stop. I knew. I knew, what, I knew what you meant. <laughs> you start. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did. I did watch. Um, I didn't see it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I had a bit of work, so I missed the the, the first um, twenty five minutes or twenty minutes. But when I did switch on. What I found interesting was that the the BT Sport were doing like a, a mid-game interview with the man himself, <laughs> Matt Beard. I thought, ooh, this is interesting. Um, trying to, you know, normally, obviously, you don't see that unless it's 
I don't know, American football or, or yeah. Liga or Italian football. I was thinking they're very, very unusual to actually approach the manager in the middle of a game to try and get his thoughts. So that was, I thought that was, I thought it was a nice touch actually because trying to see what it was like and, and sell the game. Um, I saw the game and I thought Bristol were going to just get it handed to them uh, in the first section that I saw and in, in huge parts of, of the second half. But, you know, they score the goals and, you know, when the goals go in, the momentum goes your way. And, you know, what can, I, I, for me, in terms of the players that are on the pitch, they were re- they were all really good from both sides. They, they, you, should, you could see the commitment. You could see the patterns of play from both teams. But my gosh, Ebony Salmon, if that girl has, her phone must be blowing up right now with other managers going, we do it in the summer. I, I'm, I'm, I say that, and I, and I know that the our Bristol, uh, our Bristol friends. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to have to say this. I'm looking at that girl Ebony Salmon, and I'm thinking if she ends up at Chelsea or Man City, I won't be surprised. Mm. I won't be surprised. I'll be upset. Not for Bristol. <laughs> you but, threw away not you personally but no, you guys but, threw yeah, away uh, you, you know and 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 and, and just Casey t- made a misjudgment well you, you, I mean managers do you know let's be honest you know you have a squad and you think someone doesn't fit into your squad and someone does and you keep them you know look at it we talked about Jane Ross being there and everything Sabin isn't there it's just one of those things but when I looked at the the, the, the winning goal the pass, the control, the finish. I'm, I'm telling you, if that was a Premier League football game, people would be going off their nut for that pass and the goal. She is on a different level. She is so good. She is so, so good. Bristol fans, I know I'm, I'm, I'm making it difficult for you guys, but I'm being honest. <laughs> she can't be at Bristol next year. I'm not being disrespectful, I'm being honest. She is at another level. When we talk about talent, scoring goals in any league, at any level, is difficult. She has she's ice in her veins because the control was a sublime and the finish outside, the, the boot off the laces into the corner. I'm going to stop talking now. Over <laughs> to you, Emma. Yeah. Oh, it was a game of the game of the week, and if you take it in some Monday, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, brilliant, fantastic. I thought, to be honest, I thought the goals from Reading was top quality as well. I, th- I think R- Rose goal for me. I was going to say oh, Rose yeah. goal was yeah, something fantastic. else. Yeah, something else. It was a fantastic finish, uh, especially from that angle as well. So, yeah, I was really impressed, and and. They're the kind of matches you want to be watching week in, week out. And and Rodney said, you know, heading into that game, Bristol were complete underdogs. You know, everyone would have expected, you know, Reading to to go on and get a result, get a win, simple, easy. Nah, mate. They just turned up and they Bristol and they were like, not today, mate. I'm sorry. But as as our good friend Craig um, said about Reading, they've been so inconsistent this season that he called them taps because they're so hot and cold. Like, they come away with a great win, Narfez Rodney, against Man United. And again, those goals were, you know, well-placed, great goals by Daniel Carter. And then they go and lose to Bristol, who were propping up the table. Yeah, hey. You know, um, what can you say? They beat United fair and square. They were up for the fight for that game, um, you know, and they did what they needed to do. This game against Bristol, they had their chances, though. That's the thing. They had their chances. And they had, you know, there was a period of play the way that uh, Ready moved the ball. They just looked so slick. They were just moving the ball, playing the ball between the lines. It, they, they did it effortlessly. And there was a period, I think they, there was one attack where the ball wasn't released in time and it went to Daniel Carter and she was judged to be offside and she didn't look offside but the ball was just a little bit you know it's like seconds slower than it should have been I wish um, I wish we had replays oh, yeah. it winds me up there were a couple of couple of things I think in that game where I just wanted a replay yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah no I, I get you there. yeah we're getting there we are um, getting but, there He's, he's right though you know that it, it was just 
a, a, a fantastic display. And do you know what? Fair play to, to Bristol because I think that's shown real fight, real character. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it's really on in terms of, you know, that relegation battle at the bottom. And I know, Ellie, you won't want to hear that, but... No, it is. I'm it, aware. But it's one of those things that it, it's like, it's a great narrative. It's the club that got rid of the manager has now, the manager's now gone to the club he's going to save. And it's one of those things, we didn't get rid of Matt Beard because he's a bad manager. We yeah. got rid of him because he didn't work for West Ham. And that's what I think yeah. a lot of people are missing, is they're like, oh, you know, he's gone to Bristol and he's showing West Ham up. He's showing us up because he's working well with a team that's working for him. We didn't yeah. work for him. And it's as simple as that. We know he's a great manager. He's won the league twice. Yeah, but he know, just wasn't uh, good for us. Uh, um, Ali, I just want to say something that... that that Emma mentioned about, you know, bringing Aston Villa in to this yeah. mix. I, I posed the question at the beginning when I said, has anyone seen Gemma Davis? And and I don't believe that the, the changes necessarily work for Villa. No. Their, their next few, three games are difficult, you know, and if Bristol get momentum and they leapfrog them in, in the league in terms of points and West Ham get a result and they move closer to Villa and Villa doesn't, don't actually get the results that they need, then that bottom three changes again. Yeah. Well, we play them twice. That's yeah. what we're holding on to. Yeah. We've got and, to play them twice. And, 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 and you know, you, you look at the clubs that have made changes. West Ham made a change. It hasn't necessarily worked. Villa have made a change. We don't know why. It hasn't necessarily worked. And Bristol made a change because the manager, you know, has gone on maternity leave. So that's that's an enforced change. But it's not a, it's not a permanent change. The question that I've got for Bristol fans, and, and they may be already thinking this, if they survive, if they escape relegation, do they want Tanya to come back or do they want Matt to stay on as manager? Because you look at where she, the club was when she went on maternity leave, and if they stay up, you know, do, do the owners go, what do we do? Because we weren't getting this tune out of the players when we had our manager before. You know, are we going to go for another season? we're at the bottom or we're going to try and elevate ourselves as we go forward in the next season. It's, it's a, it's a tough one. Could they not just be like the new, like Karen and one, one. one. Karen, Karen and one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know what? I think it could work. <laughs> I think it could work, but it, it depends on what kind of, I mean, they, they, they must get on really well for him to have gone there you know, in terms of, of taking over while she's on maternity leave, but also, you know, would he want to be an assistant? Would it be dual cultural? I mean, we're just throwing things out in the air, but I, I, I look at it generally and think if Bristol escape from where they were, you know, I think the escape that they had last season was, was great, but if they get away from it this season, considering the amount of goals they've shipped in already, whew, this would be the great, great, great escape. It is true. It is true. But we're going to move away from match reviews now. Sorry, right, Tottenham, Brighton. Um, but we're going to move away from match reviews now. Can I just say, just top on the Tottenham yeah. Brighton game, just a quick, how many times do you want to hit the bar? <laughs> five. <laughs> if five, the five. league was one, on how five many times. times you could hit the bar? Five times. Five times. Yeah. <laughs> Only five. Only five times. Only five times. That's fair. <laughs> But we're going to talk about something that's a bit of a problem with uh, women's football, and it's what I've lovelyly called what we've got here as a failure in communication. Say because what? an emergency trade happened between Man United oh, and West Ham. No. I was waiting to say that earlier. Yeah, emergency trade happened. The fans found out when a journo tweeted the team sheet, and we all went, wait, is there two Emily Ramsey goalkeepers? Mm. <laughs> oh, I didn't know about this then. I did. I did. I, I saw. I, I saw the club tweet and someone tweeted it. I, yeah. I knew she'd moved. I knew she'd no. United, but I didn't... it literally got picked up because a journo who was at the Chigwell Construction Stadium tweeted the team sheet, and West Ham fans and Man United fans went, "Is that two Emily Ramsey goalies?" Like we were all very confused. That's Man United announced it halfway through our second half, mm. and West Ham didn't confirm it till this morning. Well, you know, <laughs> what can you say? I, I, I mean, did, did did West Ham need another goalkeeper? Yeah, Mac Arnold's injured. She's done a foot yeah, in, okay. so she's going to be out for four to six weeks. Yeah, well, well you know, it's, <laughs> it, it begs the question, um, 
if Man United can let a, a goalkeeper go in March on loan, then you know what she's been doing for 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 the rest of the season. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's not the question, though, Rodney. We're I'm talking. Sorry. A, we're talking about the lack of communication within well, the yeah, women's. I mean, you, women's to be honest, in terms of the communication, I, I, it's probably down to embarrassment in terms of how 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 it will be perceived by fans. Because let's be honest, West Ham and Manchester United fans, you know, they're, you know, they're always kind of at each other. No, no, yeah, not me and you, Ali, obviously, no. but. But there's there always, are certain ones. Yeah. There are there are there's always a little bit of you know banter between it um, between the fan the fan groups. Um, I, it's it's a transfer I never saw saw coming. I would never have expected. And if and if it was going to happen, you would expect it to have been announced in in in, in the right and proper way. Obviously, yeah. you would want you would want West Ham to confirm it. At the same time that Manchester United say, you know, we are sorry to see, but, you know, there to be some kind of mutual understanding in terms of 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 the team admin. But, you know, for whatever reason, that it didn't it didn't come across that way. And it it does look poor. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, do you think there's a problem in terms of communication? Like it's, it's so hard sometimes just to find results. I mean, the BBC have got better, I think. Oh, listen. But trying to find results, trying to find any information on women's football. Is this a huge problem or is it just me being funny? Which is probably both. <laughs> I think it's getting better. I want to say it's getting better and try and, you know, keep it positive. But it, it's it's definitely not as accessible um obviously we're doing a podcast you know you both know obviously when you especially researching oppositions and stuff you can't just necessarily go to one place you usually have to have about six or seven pages open and you know so yeah i mean it would be nice to obviously have you know a, a really good uh, reliable resource but usually you know you're back and backwards and forwards from you know official club communications to you know uh different kind of outlets you know to to kind of get a, a an overview rather than uh, <laughs> the proper uh, information that you need but i think we, i remember there was a a time on the goalkeeper uh, situation was um, a, a season or two ago for city where we had a goalkeeper called fran stetson who um, i remember this yeah she it was a similar sort of thing really um she was she left she went on loan she was at the club she went on loan to blackburn and then i think the next thing she was pitched in coming off the arsenal coach in uh training <laughs> and we're like oh right okay sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, i mean um so you know we've been victim of that as well um is it a goalkeeper thing i don't, <laughs> I don't know um but yeah you know I, it it is pretty poor when you know you do find out um you know because we we don't necessarily you know we're encouraged not to listen to rumors and stuff yeah. like that so you know official communication is what you long for and you know when you don't get it but the pictures tell you otherwise well you know where do you, where does the rumor mill stop you know yeah anyway who's telling you not to listen to rumors it's a great Fleetwood Mac album I don't have that one the best <laughs> Sorry, I am a slacky Todd. But no, you're right. Like, communication is getting better, but it's still... And I get it, the clubs may want to keep something to their chest. Like, we didn't find out that Mac was injured until they announced um, that Emily Ramsey was joining us. And they're like, oh, yeah, because she's out for four to six weeks. And then suddenly we see a picture with a, with a boot on. But it's, you know, we can, we can hope. Um, and with the new announcement that it's going to be a multi-million Sky deal for thing is that going to make it better or is it just going to push more things into obscurity um it's got to be better i I don't think you can bring a broadcaster in light sky and it and it go backwards it's it's only got to go forwards in my opinion um i think i do kind of feel though from obviously you know a city perspective a club perspective um you know we've fans have obviously had more access to information surrounding players and their recovery times and the injuries that they've sustained which has been a, a massive improvement 
uh, upon recent seasons. I don't know if that's just Gareth Taylor. Um, he has been, he is a quite honest, frank manager, which I think is refreshing for us because he he is quite honest and he, he does tell, pretty much tell it like it is, which uh, I, I think is a, a, a welcome thing in football, especially in the women's game. Um, I know we're probably nearly finished. I, I, you know, with the communication thing, I, I do think you're right in terms of it, it being poor and there should have been a kind of coordinated approach to the news if a club is in dire straits with regards to a player being injured and injured. But it's an indication of, of you know, apart from the lack of it being professional, we as fans clamour for it to be better than it is. And sometimes we just have to accept it. <laughs> yes, you know, we kind of say it's the best and you know, WSL is great and this and that. You know, sometimes it is like meat and potatoes, it's the cash. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's put together with sellotape and sticky back plastic and all of that other stuff. And, you know, as, as Emma says, you know, with Sky coming in, you know, would it be better? And I'm thinking, well, some of the games are on, on BT Sport, you know, changing broadcasters isn't necessarily going to be better. Are they going to put more money in? Is there going to be a, 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 any difference in between the information that's passed from clubs to fans, how that's done? Is it going to be any any different in terms of the the, the um, facilities that the players have, in terms of pitches? What, what does it mean that the broadcast has changed? That's great, but in terms of the other the other stuff, that we need as fans where you want to go to a game and you know it's going to take place because the weather is, you know, bizarre. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, whether it's cold or whatever, it's not. These are the questions that fans want. And I don't care about the broadcast. There's more pressing issues. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't care about the broadcaster. I don't care. You know, I, they're in it for themselves, you know. They're in it for themselves. And if they believe that they want to help the game grow, what is it? What will they do to help the clubs get the things that they need? Because if Sky's going to come in and we're going to have this conversation about communication next year and the year after, nothing has really changed. You know, you know, bought a smart dress, but, you know, we still haven't been to the dry cleaners and picked up our underplants. It's just, <laughs> you know, you're trying to be nice. But, you know, see what happens when you're not hosting, Ali. Look at the joyful imagery that was. Right, I'm going to move on to something nice. Our final topic, nice. Could have been a contender. The FA Cup is officially recommencing this month. And they've already done the draw, it seems. And it's hilarious because some teams haven't even gone past the second round yet. So I know for a fact West Ham's is like, West Ham versus could be Enfield, could be Leighton Orient, could be this, could be that. Like, there's about like seven options it could be for by the time we get in on the fourth round. So, Emma, I'm going to start with you as you guys are the defending champions of the FA Cup. How excited are you that it's finally happening, it's going to finally kick off and hopefully complete within this season? Yeah, um, not so optimistic about it being completed this season. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited that it's back. I feel that it's the the best thing that they could have done to, to find, you know, a way of... of of ensuring that the teams that are still left in the competition get their opportunity to play. And that's the beauty of the FA Cup is that, you know, the likes of Burnley, Fly, you know, all these teams, you know, um, you know, get their opportunity to to have their moment. And uh, yeah, there's some great fixtures in there. I think obviously they just want to get the first round done. I think there's one tie left, is there? Yeah. And then it's sort of week by week and, and getting these fixtures completed, which is fantastic. So yeah, it looks like they've they've really tried to 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 get it organised and get it sorted. Um, and I'm all for it. And I'm I'm just great to to see it come back. And I think a lot of fans are. are, are you know, welcome to welcoming it back with open arms as well. Ronnie, do you think some teams are at a disadvantage because there are some lower league teams that haven't played a game since December? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, the FA Cup in itself for those teams that haven't played for a while, number of months, there is a disadvantage because you're now having to scramble together and get um, your, your players up to scratch if they have stayed focused in terms of their training plan, mm. but. Um, 
even with, I mean, with that, that you never know, there might be the cup upset as well. So I'm, I'm glad it's going to return. I'm just, you like you, unsure of, of the way things have, have, have rolled out. And I think even Casey said the draw was done and they didn't, she didn't know the draw was being done. And I just yeah. thought, well, okay. Um, so they haven't told the managers, but they've done it in a, in a really clandestine way and then announced it in, in, in some fashion. Uh, it, it, it kind of, like I said, with the community, it kind of goes back to the point you made about the communication. Yeah. You know, if they're not communicating with the clubs and the managers and, and you just think, well, how are you selling this thing that you want the clubs to be involved in or you, to then, for them to then kind of sell it to their fans, you announce it and then you still haven't given them the, the due respect of saying, look, we're doing this thing. This is when we're going to start. Uh, we want to let you know what are your thoughts. It's 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 bizarre, but as fans, you know, we will gladly go and uh, put the scarf on and get the rattle out and put the bunting up and do all, all the other stuff. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is a great place to leave it there. I'm going to thank Emma for coming back on and trusting me to lead us to um, what I think is a fine uh, podcast episode. Yeah, great job, Ali. And I want to thank Rodney for letting me take over the CAF for one night only. And I'm going to do to him what he does to us every uh, week. Where can we find you, Rodney? Well, um, (laughs) when I'm not by the park underneath the (laughs) lamppost, you can find me on Twitter. uh, Is it at Rodney underscore Cyrus or on the podcast um, Twitter handle is um, at on and off the PIT1. It wouldn't allow me to say pitch, so I had to change it. So. And I Thank have you. been your host for one night only, and you can find me. Well, you know where you can find me. Where can we find you? You can find me at Axel's Girl, because I used to be a heavy uh, metal kid. Um, and if you want my views on all things West Ham, you can find me at We Are the Girls in Clara and Blue. So thank you once again to uh, my guests for uh, coming on tonight. We'll be back in two weeks' time where we've got so much more to discuss, I am sure. And I probably may not be invited back again, depending on how I've done on this one. So this may be my um, final tara. We've all got food poisoning. Yeah, yeah. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a shift on. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these Normaners can't handle pie and mash, what can I say? <laughs> At least it was pie and mash and not... Uh, what's what's it? What's that uh, delicacy that you guys eat down jelly, south? Jelly deals and stew deals. Jelly deals! No, 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 no. <laughs> not in my cast. <laughs>